Good morning. It is a joy to come this morning and open God's Word with you and to uh, further contemplate this idea of humbling ourselves, of having um, what we'll talk about this morning is a prayerful heart. We've been talking the last couple of weeks uh, about having a, a fruitful heart and talking about the parable of the soils. And I, I, I just think it's hard to even come to a place where where you can have a fruitful heart without without also having a, a prayerful heart, without also uh, constantly uh, approaching the Lord. We um, we, we talk about humility, and uh, you, you know it's funny how uh, illustrations pop up. Uh, just in time, I was at the movie theater yesterday uh, out on the west side, and um, uh, luckily I just got my passport renewed to get over there, and so they let me across the creek. Um, but uh, <clears throat> I, I'll spare you detail, but I had to use the restroom in the middle of the movie. So I go out, and the restroom's right out, right to the right. And um, so I'm using the restroom, and I, I'm in there a couple minutes, and I hear two ladies walk in <laughs> and get in two separate stalls sort of next to me. And one of the ladies says to the other lady, she said, Hey, remember that time when we were here and you accidentally went in a men's restroom? And the lady said, well, yeah, that's happened more than once, but that'll never happen again. And it dawns on me that when I walked into the restroom that there were no urinals present (laughs) in the restroom. And so I was humbled. And so, um, yeah. They really need better signage out there on that West Side Theater, um, but but it just it's a funny story, you know. It just becomes a funny story. Um, so today uh, we're we're talking about this idea of having a prayerful heart, and you know it's interesting how God works. The the last time I was supposed to preach, I was supposed to preach on anxiety, uh, which is something that I struggle with, something that hits very close to home. And you know, just before the week I was supposed to preach, my son was born and he rescued me from having to preach that passage. Um, so I gave him 10 bucks when he got out. And um, But then there, this idea of having a prayerful heart, which is something, uh, you know, because I struggle with anxiety, you might also think I might struggle a little bit with having a prayerful heart. So... Uh, this has just been a really rich week uh, for me uh, going through this, and it's um, been just a really wonderful time. So uh, hopefully uh, we can share that together this morning. We pray with me? Oh God, we just uh, we do thank you for uh, for a country that we can gather together this morning um, without fear of. Um, litigation, without fear of, of intense persecution, uh, without, um, I, I say without fear of death, and yet there are, there are some churches I, I know in our country this morning that, that, that are still gathering together in fear that someone's going to, to come in. Um, God, we, we see uh, the church culture in this country changing, um, I say little by little, but lately it's been somewhat rapidly, and so God, we are thankful for this 
corner of the country that we live in uh, where we can gather um, together and worship you uh, joyfully and thankfully um, and, and humbly. Um, we thank you for your word, God. We rejoice in it. We, we uh, cannot wait to open it this morning with you present with us. Uh, God, I just pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, if you would get out your Bibles, uh, if you didn't bring your Bible with you, there are some red pew Bibles, and I will be gracious enough to give you page numbers for where we're going to go this morning, so we don't play that game where you try to get there quicker than me and all that. Um, and, and, it, and also, in your bulletin, there are notes sheets, if you would like to use those. I don't know how many of you do use them, but they are helpful. And they are certainly helpful when you leave worship and you go to lunch or you go wherever and you want to talk about the message, you have this note sheets and these note sheets will have some fill-in-the-blank stuff. If, it, if you're new to Olivet, we'll have some fill-in-the-blank stuff that you can do there and, and also make other notes. But um, then there's little pencils that are not just for keeping golf scores. I told Mike Freeman I always feel like I should be keeping my miniature golf score, but uh, tiny pencils. Anyway, uh, you can use those, but I encourage you to have your Bibles out and to, uh, to be using those note sheets as we go through God's Word this morning. So we are going to start uh, where we've already started uh, in Second Chronicles um, chapter 7, verse 14. It's page 364 in your pew Bible. You know what's funny is uh, I grabbed a pew Bible from the back this morning because I forgot my Bible at home, and somebody had already put in red second chronicles seven fourteen. they had already outlined it in red and everything and i thought it's mm, kind of neat um but uh second chronicles seven fourteen. 14 um, in case you forgot from earlier says if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then i will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land so there's always two messages, right? There's the original message of Scripture, and then there's the message to us today. In this instance, the Israelites are on their way back from exile, and God is speaking to the Israelites and assuring them that if they will but humble themselves, if they will pray, if they will seek His face, then He will heal this land that they are returning to. Um, but we will get into, in a minute, sort of God's message for us this morning. And then we have a couple of more passages that, that we will jump to. Um, but this is our, our central memory verse uh, this morning, and it is the very Word of God. Thanks be to God. So, what characterizes a, a prayerful heart? What are those qualities um, of a prayerful heart? Uh, I think first and foremost, just this knowledge... Um, and, and again, when we say knowledge, we mean biblical knowledge, this experiential knowledge that God can handle all things. So if you're following along in your notes there, that, that first point, a knowledge that God can handle all things. Not just some things, not just things that are really important to us or, or things that are just really important to Him, or, but God can handle all things. Um, and again, not just intellectual assent. 
Not just this idea that, well, of course God can handle all things. He's God. Of course he can. But this experiential knowledge, this deep heart knowledge that, that we have an eternal heavenly Father who loves us enough and who is big enough to hold us and whatever we have with us. So then the question is, how big is our God? Or, or, or how big is your God? How big is my God? Uh, we, and we, it sounds weird to say it that way. Um, but, but what if we've made God so big in such a way, when I, and you understand what I mean here in a minute, what if we've made God so big that the things that we're struggling with are so insignificant to Him that He doesn't want to give them the time of day? But on the other hand, what if we've made God so small that He can't handle the things that we can't handle? And that is often where we find ourselves is we, sh- we sort of shrink God down to, to be more our size, to be more like us. Uh, and, and that serves a lot of purposes that God can, um, God understands us more. God is more okay with the things that we struggle with. There's a lot of different things there that we could go into that, that are not for this morning. Um, I'm more than happy to talk with you afterward. But we sort of resize God sometimes and in in resizing god we lose sight of who our heavenly father is uh, as he reveals himself in his word so in both instances we make god like us where either god doesn't sweat the small stuff you know we're told all the time don't sweat the small excuse me don't sweat the small stuff or where he can't handle the big stuff. And either way, neither of those things characterizes the God of the Bible. It, now those things characterize us. But thankfully, God is not like us. Because if He was, we'd be all in big, big trouble. Uh, so, the second quality that characterizes a prayerful heart is this desire to let go of worry and anxiety. This morning as we sit here, is God in control? I heard a lot of brains nodding and heads as they, you know. Is God in control as we sit here this morning? Yes. Okay. I hope that you really believe that because it is indeed true. God is, as we sit here, God is in control in this mystery that we don't quite understand that God is, is, is everywhere. That as God is present with us, um, and, and, and revealing His Word to us, that, that He's also present in Africa, and He's also present in North Korea, and He's also present at all the other churches down Oak Hill Road, uh, ministering to his body. Um, so if we believe in a sovereign God, if God is indeed sovereign over all things, then he's a God we can trust. If God is in control no matter what, then he's a God that we can trust. And up here that makes a lot of sense. But when it gets here, it becomes a lot harder to let go. 
I incidentally, I find I'm in IT, so I find it funny that we some of this technology we we come up with, like self-driving cars, seems like something we can trust, right? But when it comes to trusting God, well, I'm not so sure. And it's just it's it's so backwards. It's so backwards. But you know, our humanity gets in the way. Um. So if we can trust God, if we know up here that we can trust God. But we get down here and we're not sure if we can let go control to God. Then how badly do we want to hang on to our fear, our worry, our anxiety? How Isn't it interesting how we come to cherish those things? We don't think of it that way, but we cling to those things. We cling to those things that make us feel rotten. Um, because if we let... God take control, then, then we don't know what's going to happen. But what if God doesn't, what, what if I'm worried about this, but God doesn't deal with it in the way I want Him to? We'll talk about that in a minute. Turn to page 982 in your Pew Bible, uh, if, if that's the one you're using. Uh, it's Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. I'll give you a minute to get there, and I'll get there myself. Philippians 4, we'll start in verse 4. Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your, reasonable, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In the Philippians study on Wednesday nights, we I think we we unpack this one passage, these these three or four verses over I think over two different weeks, because uh, there's so much there. But I want to walk through this for a second. Starting in verse four, Paul says, "Rejoice in the Lord always," and then he repeats it again for. Uh, we'll call it intensity, to, to really communicate the point. Again, I will say rejoice. But what do you mean always? How do I rejoice when my spouse has cancer? How do I rejoice when my child is in crisis? How do I rejoice when I've lost my job? How do, it could be any number of things. Insert, insert crisis there. So Paul goes on to say in, in verse 5, you, you rejoice because the Lord is at hand. Because the Lord is here. The Lord, the Lord is here. And not only is the Lord here, the, the Lord is also in tomorrow. And um, in, in, this, in studying Philippians, I came across this phrase that the, the future is not just something God knows about. It's a place where God is. It's a place where God is already dwelling. When you come to that realization that the Lord is at hand, then in verse 6 Paul says, the Lord is at hand, so, so you don't need to be anxious about anything. God is here, so talk to Him. Talk to Him. He's, he's right here. By prayer and supplication, the word supplication just means help me. That's all that means. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
God, help me with this. And thank you. Thank you for what you're already doing to, to, to take care of this. But, but help me, God. And if you do those things, verse 7, each, I love this because each of these verses just builds on one another. And verse 7, if you do these things, the peace of God which surpasses all of our human understanding will guard not only your hearts, but also your minds in Christ Jesus. Those are life-giving verses to me. The Lord is at hand. In our midst right now, as we sit here, the Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. And if, if you're having trouble with that this morning, this promise in Scripture is yours. The Lord is at hand. Tomorrow morning, for those of us going to work, the Lord is at hand. He doesn't stay here. Those doors out there can't don't don't keep him in. He goes out. The Lord is at hand. So the third quality that characterizes a prayerful heart is this desire to surrender control to God. This is the one that I struggle with. This is the one that so many of us struggle with. Take your hands off the wheel. But how? How? That's what I struggle with. How? How did pry my hands off the wheel? I mean, there are some times where the, the wheel has like, you know, indentations from my white knuckled grip in it because I want control so bad. But here's the ultimate question, okay? So Scripture is often... When we read scriptures like this from Paul, and really when we read any scripture, it sort of leaves this with, how do you, are you going to respond to this or are you not going to respond to it? The question I'm left with, I'm left with after reading this passage in Philippians is, do I desire control or do I desire peace? Because with control, with my control comes fear, worry, and anxiety. Because if I'm in control, then I am all I have to rely on. And I know how reliable I am not. I know intimately how reliable I'm not. But if God is in control, in Paul's letter to the Philippians, it promises this peace that passes human understanding. All that means, all that phrase means is this peace that, that makes people go, how can you possibly have peace in this situation? It's this peace that passes all human understanding. Because if you want peace, you surrender your control to God and He will give you peace in exchange. It's a tough exchange. I say that like it's this, you just hand your control to God and He gives you peace back. We all know it's so much harder than that. It is so much harder than that. But here's the thing, is our control is only an illusion of control anyway. If God is sovereign, if we serve an almighty God, if He is indeed the creator of the universe, how are you really going to wrestle control away from God? And don't take that as predeterminism, like God is just moving you around like a chess piece. That's not what I'm saying at all. But it's this illusion that we can control this situation. 
that we can that 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 we can make this person better if we just find the right doctor. That we can that we can we can handle this differently if we if we could just find this source of money. If we could just whatever whatever it is, we could what if this all afternoon. Um, he is the creator of the universe, and if he's the almighty creator, can he be trusted? Can he be trusted with control? So our second, our second point this morning, if that, if those are the things that characterize a prayerful heart, then what does a prayerful heart feel like? What does it feel like? I, I think that we have this desire, when we have a prayerful heart, we have this desire to talk to God, but to talk to God about everything. So sometimes we sort of play this game with God where we pray, but it's kind of these surface level prayers and we come to God and we've got this thing that God knows about, that we know about, but we sort of, you know, kind of hide it behind our back or we try and push it to the back of our minds. So because if we hide it back far enough, God won't see it. Right. Um, so we come to God, we hold these things behind uh, under some kind of assumption that if we just don't talk about it, that he won't know. That And then we don't have to deal with it. And then we don't have to hand it over. And so we sort of pray these half-hearted prayers. That I think I've talked before about, you know, God, I'm struggling with this. And I would really like to not have to struggle with this anymore, God. But could you help me in this specific way? Could you help me in a way to where I don't get hurt? Could you help me in a way to where my family doesn't find out? Could you help me in a way to where my spouse doesn't find out? Could... God, could you take care of this situation, but here's how I want you to take care of it, and could you just please bless that? It's almost comical sometimes, because it, especially if, if you have children, because you've seen your children do it. And they come to you, and my daughter, my daughter is, is the best liar from a parent's perspective. Mike Freeman, who Nora refers to as snuggly, um, she says, there's, there's Mr. Freeman, he's snuggly. Um, sorry, I've just outed you. Now everyone will want to sit next to you. Um, for those of you that know Nora, and many of you do, you think Nora doesn't lie. She's the best liar from a parent's perspective. Because when Nora lies, she does this. <laughs> the whole time she's lying. It's awesome. <laughs> My son, on the other hand, is a little more convincing. Sometimes you've got to really dig. With Nora... With with Nora, it's it's easy. <laughs> it's just as easy for God to see when we are holding something back. We come to God, and whether we intend to or not, the whole time that we're praying, we're doing this, and He knows that it's there, and it's and He's just waiting for you to say, "Okay, let's talk about it. Let's deal with this, and let's really deal with it." Enough of the half-hearted stuff. Enough of the lukewarm, half-in, half-out stuff. Let's really, really deal with it. Um, a, a prayerful heart thinks about... You, you, you think about this motivation behind your prayer. Where am I praying this from? Not location-wise, but heart-wise. Where am I 
where am I praying this from? You know, we talked about the, uh, the, the passage this morning in, in Second Chronicles that God will, will heal our land if we will but humble ourselves. And many of us have prayed that prayer in a way that, uh, that sounds like if we will just humble ourselves as American citizens, that God will heal America and he will make America, I'm not going to say make America great again, but he will make, uh, only because that's, that's just because the weight that phrase holds, but he will make America what it once was, right? Because it's changed a lot. It's just, I'm, I've been here 36 years and I'm reminded by so many of you that that's not very long at all, but it's changed a lot. Even in the last 10 years, it's changed a lot. And so we think that the, the term I've heard Tim Keller use is Christendom. You know, that time when places were closed on Sunday and if they weren't closed, they were open maybe during the lunch hour and then they closed or, or they closed very early so people could go to evening church. Uh, Bill Dempsey was telling me uh, during a Wednesday night Bible study that, you know, places used to, on Wednesday nights, places would have, would hold Wednesday nights kind of sacred because a lot of churches had Wednesday night activities. Um, we're not there anymore. People don't go to church on Sunday anymore because that's what everyone does. We go to church on Sunday. We're Christians. We're not in that age anymore. So a lot of people pray that, myself included, have prayed this prayer, God, restore our nation to what it once was. Restore our nation. But I don't think that that's what I don't, I don't think that that's what that passage means. I think it's a more eternal view of our land, of the body of Christ, of God healing and uniting the body of Christ. We talked in Sunday school this morning about this vision of the country that if the body of Christ, if we embrace our identity as sons and daughters of Christ, and, and many of you are doing so, and, and we're out there and we're, and we're fostering children, and we're and we're adopting if God leads us to, and we're and we're we're ministering to shut-ins, and we're ministering to the poor, and we're going and visiting people in prison, and we're doing those things. Then the land transforms. The land transforms. I don't know if our government transforms or not. It may, but it, but it begins to sort of resemble this kingdom that we've talked so much about in the last weeks. But we are called, um, just as the Israelites were coming back from exile, we are called to live as exiles. First Peter calls us sojourners in this land. A sojourner is just somebody passing through, that this is not their final destination. We are just passing through. We are citizens of the United States of America, uh, many of us, but we are citizens of heaven first. And so a prayerful heart thinks about the motivation behind the prayer. Am I praying this prayer as a citizen of heaven or am I praying this prayer for some other motivation that either that either benefits me or something that I that I want to see done? You, you see what I'm saying? I hope I'm not muddling that. But we think about the condition of our heart when when we pray. We're praying from a desire to see God's great and perfect will happen beyond our will. 
even if that means that our will does not happen. Um, you know, we we it, 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 we talked this morning in Sunday school how it's it's difficult to have a leg in both, isn't it? It's a difficult it's difficult to have a leg in this sort of eternal perspective of things and this and a leg in this temporal perspective of things because the temporal stuff. The stuff that's right in front of us every day screams really loud because it's immediate, it's urgent, it's right in front of us. When I, I, I've been off, so I took Thursday and Friday off. Um, to, I've been very busy lately and took some time off to spend with my family, uh, which was wonderful. Uh, but I, I know that tomorrow morning when I walk in after being off the last part of the week, I, I know that there's going to be all kinds of things on my desk that were not there when I left Tuesday evening. And those things are going to scream louder than, than this in that moment. And so the struggle is to keep this eternal perspective in the midst of the temporal things that are shouting at us every day. Some of you may be sitting in here this morning battling that very thing. Um, so Paul says, you know, the, the, Lord, the Lord is at hand. Um, and I, I just, you know, I, I just happen to think when, when I think about, um, this desire to talk to God about everything, you have those friends that when something happens, when, when, when things come down, you have these friends that, you know, you just, you pick up the phone or you go stop by their house or whatever. And, and they're there and you can talk to them about anything. Anything. And they may not always agree with you, and that's a good thing, uh, but they, but you, you can talk to them about anything, and when you're done, you often feel better. And maybe that friend is, is a parent. Maybe it's a daughter. May, or maybe it's a son. Maybe it's, so maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's not. But we have these human beings that do this for us. And, and you know, when life goes sideways, we think, I need to talk to so-and-so. If a human being can do that, why can't God? And I'm not saying don't talk to human beings. That's not what I'm saying. But in talking about giving God control, if a human being can do that for us, doesn't it make sense that so could God? If we could cultivate this prayerful heart, to use Cheryl's word from last week, if if we could sort of cultivate this this prayerful heart, could we come to a place where God is also, that we, we have that same feeling about God, that we could sit and have this conversation with God, even if we're mad at Him? Can God handle you being mad at Him? Sorry, you guys forgot from earlier. Can God handle you being mad at Him? Yes, He can. He can. Have this conversation with God. So that when you're done, you can lay some of these things down. We were not meant to carry even half the baggage that many of us carry around every day. We were not made for that. The thing that um, that shows me this is Jesus' example in the garden the night before the crucifixion. That Jesus is so nervous. He's so nervous. He's literally sweating Drops of blood, we're told in Scripture. And he is moved <clears throat> to pray. He's, 
He's not moved to sit and and talk with the disciples at length and and you know Peter Peter is saying, you know, Jesus, you you don't have to die, you don't have to do this. Jesus is moved to go apart. The disciples are there, but he's moved to go apart and spend time with his father. That's the example that I'm given. Um, and so in, in wanting to be more like Christ, that's the example that, that I'm trying to follow. I'm trying to follow. When those things are, are happening that, are, that, that cause me so much stress or so much worry or fear, to step aside and to go to God. That that's my go-to. That's where I turn to for comfort. It's my Father. So the next quality in, in how it feels to have this prayerful heart is, is, is just that. Constantly reaching out to God. How often are we praying? How often are we praying? Are we constantly sort of in this posture of prayer, in this attitude of prayer? Are we in this, um, are, are we in this, this constant conversation, uh, with God? Uh, just turn over, if you're still in that Philippians passage, uh, turn over just a few pages to 1 Thessalonians. It's 988 in the, in the Pew Bible. It's just a few pages over. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, Paul says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Um, and incidentally, he goes on to the, in the next verse and says, do, do not quench the Spirit. That those things are connected. That we have this constant open communication with God. That we're, we're constantly laying things down that are burdensome. Laying those down at the foot of the cross. Laying those things down before God. And we're picking up things that are life-giving. And we'll talk about how to do that in a minute. But if we're in this constant attitude of prayer, then we have this next quality, we have this next, next feeling of a, of a prayerful heart, this sense of peace because God is in control. If we're in this constant conversation with God where we're laying down things that are burdensome, we're picking up things that are life-giving, we have this innate sense of peace because God is in control. A prayerful heart is a peaceful heart because a prayerful heart is just in this constant cycle. Martin Luther, I came across this quote, uh, Martin Luther says, said, pray and let God worry. You pray, you lay it down. Let God worry about it if, if he needs to. That is about the most simplistic way I've heard people, I've asked the question and I've heard people ask it so much. How do you lay something? How do you, how do you give it over to God? I'm always being told, give it, just give it to God. How do you do that? That's about the, um, the most straightforward answer I've ever gotten to that question. Pray and let God worry. You just pray. You talk to God. Let God worry if he needs to. So then the, the, the final point here, um, only because I like to be practical with everything because that's kind of how I learn. How do you develop a prayerful heart? 
our third point. How do you develop a prayerful heart? Well, number one, you read the Bible. When I talked about picking up things that are life-giving, where are you going to pick those up from? I, I dare say you're not going to pick them up from the Internet very often unless you know just right where to go. There are, the Internet can be very helpful, but there's an, I mean, social media is just filled with all kinds of negativity. You read the Bible. How can you ever hope to hear what God is saying if you don't read what he says? If you don't read this letter that he's given you, this, this sort of love letter from your father, the story of God putting his family back together, then how can you ever hope to know what he says? If this is not a common practice for you, and for many of us it's not, and I, I understand the many reasons why, um, don't hear judgment in this, but start, start today. Start this afternoon. Open your Bible somewhere this afternoon. We have, on the back of your bulletin, we have this, we, we, we have this thing that we go through sort of as a congregation where it has daily readings. We have this every week. Start on Sunday, and even if you just read one of them, start somewhere. Strike while the iron's hot. We're, we're always motivated to do these things right after church. And then we go home and some of us take a nap or we get caught doing other things and then it sort of fades. It, in addition to reading the Bible, one of the things you might consider, one of the things that I always thought was, I'll be honest, I always thought was silly, but like I said, I struggle with this. I struggle with with praying all the time. I struggle with laying things before God because I I like to hold on to things. I like to try and do it all on my own. Um, incidentally, I'm not so good at accepting help from human beings either. Um, keep a prayer journal. And that sounds silly to some of us, especially to us guys, because we hear diary. We hear prayer diary, you know, and we think of like this pink little book with a lock on it, you know, but it's not really what I'm talking about. Keep a journal of those things that you're bringing before God, of those things, those people that need prayer, of those concerns in your life that you're praying about. Keep a journal of the things you're bringing before God, but also in that journal, keep track of what God is doing with those things. And then you go back and you look and you see what God has done. See, one of the things with one of the things with with these here, and with stuff like twenty four hour news channels, is we want to know now what God is going to do. We want to know now because we get everything else now. So we would like God to let us know now. He can do it later, but let us know now what He's going to do and how He's going to do it. Not too much to ask, right? Just you know, not realistic, but not too much to ask. But that's not how it works. But when you keep a prayer journal, you go back and you see all that God has done. If you keep one for, I know some people keep them by year, and they go back at the end of the year and they look at all that God did in that year. Not only will it help your prayer life, it will strengthen your relationship with God because you see that while He doesn't always answer right now, and sometimes He answers no, you see that He does answer. And that God has moved in your life, and in the lives of people that you love and care about all year long. 
And so my final point is um, to cultivate this, to how to develop this, this prayerful heart. Spend time with these prayer warriors. If this is something that you struggle with, spend time with people who excel at it. Because it will help you. Almost like, you know, an, an apprenticeship. We call it discipleship, actually. Um, but share life with, with people who excel at this. And you will get better at it by learning from these folks. You know, I cannot think of prayer warriors and not think about Ellen Lynch. I just can't. Uh, especially on days like today, because every time that I would preach, Ellen would always pull me aside, usually during welcome time, and say, just so you know, I'll, I'll be praying for you in the pew the whole time you're preaching. And that was so life-giving to me. Because I knew she meant it. <laughs> I knew she meant it. In fact, I don't think Ellen ever said anything to me that she didn't mean 100%. But, you know, we have these people, like Ellen, she was not the only one, but we have these people that when they say they're going to pray for us, uh, we know that, that they are. In fact, they often stop right there and, and do it. They don't wait till later. They do it then. That, that is what I want. That's the heart that I, that I want. That as I stand here today, I, I don't I don't have yet. I'm not there yet, but but I'm I'm working. I'm in process. Um, but spend time with these folks who excel in this area. Learn from them. Learn from them. So just a couple of of closing things here. You know we're gonna spend time this morning at the Lord's table. And that's a perfect time to say, search my heart, God. Search my heart. Bring those things to the surface that I need to lay down. But also, have I made God my size? Have I made God like me? Have I made God, have I made my things, the the stresses that I deal with, have I made them too big or too small for God to handle? Or have I made God too small? Or maybe it's time to spend time at the Lord's table and not just eat the bread and drink the juice and then leave, but maybe actually spend some time in prayer. Um, We have this section called Putting It Into Practice. If you believe this to be the very Word of God to you today, what might you need to do in response? When will you do it? Maybe the answer to that question is you need to truly spend some time and prayer about something that you're struggling with. And if you need to do that, um, following communion, our elders will be up here. And you know, we do this a lot, and very, you know, every once in a while somebody comes up. But I've got to believe there are those of you here this morning that are struggling with things that you need prayer for, but don't want to ask. But you don't have to ask, because we're here, and we're offering it. And we would love to talk with you, or pray with you, or whatever it is you need. So after we are going to do communion by intention, and Pastor Dave is going to lead us in that in a minute. But after that, the elders will be available, and I highly encourage you, if you want to cultivate this prayerful heart, start today. Strike while the iron's hot, and start today. Um, And then if you're a follower of Jesus, who will you tell about what we've talked about today? Who else needs to hear this that's in your life? Because there's at least 
one person. So, um, let me pray. Father, we just thank you for this gift that you've given us uh, in the Holy Spirit and, and in, in prayer that um, you know, your word says that even when we don't know what to say, that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us just with groanings. And um, God, you have given us this, this conduit to reach you and, and to pour out our hearts and to pour out those things that are burdensome to us. Um, and, and God, for you to give us in return uh, peace and life and wholeness uh, the way that w- things were intended to be. Um, we love you, God. We just ask that you give us the courage to take this message this morning, uh, to take your word this morning, and to put it into practice um, today. Not to wait till tomorrow, but to do it today. Oh, God, we thank you so much for Jesus, and we pray this in his name. Amen.